fight And we don't have to kill Everybody in the whole wide world Really just needs to chill No, we don't have to fuss No, no, no We don't have to fight Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Just Chill with Oliver George. This is episode 74, and my guest this time around is someone who is just full of entrepreneurial spirit. He is a business owner, he is a game designer, and someone I had an absolute blast chatting with. Uh, it was interesting going back to doing a Zoom interview after not having done one of those for so many episodes, but he's located in the US and we really didn't have any other options. So you know what, I'm still really thankful that we were able to digitally connect because he was such a cool cat. Before we get into it, though, I want to remind you, if you're watching on YouTube right now and you would prefer an audio-only version, for whatever reason, you can get that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and other places like that. If you're listening to my voice on one of those, though, and you didn't know there was a visual side to this show, then please come check it out here on YouTube and check out the room. If you could subscribe, like, comment, uh, leave a review, any of that on any of these platforms is super helpful. I want to keep growing my audience and reaching new people and connecting with more people. So thank you so much if you've been a part of this journey, whether it's your first episode or you've been here since day one. I really do appreciate you checking out my shit. Uh, finally, if you want to reach out to me, maybe you've got a cool guest idea or some general feedback about the show, you can hit me up at justchillpodcasting at gmail.com. While you're there, let me know if you have any interest in one of these holofoil stickers with our show's logo, and I will mail you one for free. Just give me your address. Back to the guest. Like I said, I had a blast chatting with this man. I'm talking about Mr. Steve Resk. He is CEO of SRG Universe Incorporated, which is a tabletop gaming company. Their flagship game is a wrestling card game called Super Show, which is not only highly rated on Board Game Geek and places like that, but they've also developed a really engaging and supportive community of fans that just love this game and have a blast at all these tournaments. So it's really, really uh, something that I think more games should try to emulate the way that they're running their stuff. Uh, beyond that, they've also signed a lot of professional wrestlers and independent wrestlers with a lot of notoriety on their own that you can now play as in Super Show, which is super rad. Uh, but the conversation at large, even if you're not into wrestling, even if you're not into tabletop games, I encourage you to listen to this because Steve Sorry is so inspiring. He's someone who really chased his dream, really made it happen, and is really calling the shots and running his show the way he wants to, his super show, if you will. Uh, so thank you so much for stopping by, and I hope you have as much fun listening to this as I did recording it. Cool. Well, fuck, man. I want to thank you, first off, just for taking the time. Uh, I normally do that no matter what, but... With you having a newborn in the house, I mean, it really means a little extra something that you took the time. I appreciate it. My wife is a rock star, so all the thanks to her. Congrats to both of you, of course. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I got to say, uh, I don't envy you having uh, three teenage daughters in a decade or whatever, but... <laughs> no, it is. Three girls is, you know, right now it's super fun and I love it. I had another girl and I was so excited. Everybody's like, you just wait. And I've never experienced <laughs> that yet, so I don't know. You know, so far, so good. Yeah, one day at a time, right? Yeah. Yeah, my daughter's uh, 11 and a half now, so we're sort of getting closer to that territory, but we're not quite there yet. Right on, man. Uh, so are you getting sleep, though, at least, or are you working it out? Um, a little bit. My my middle child wakes up like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, and you could usually get her to go back to sleep with a little bit of effort. So, you know, as much... I What's really strange is I probably get more sleep now as crazy as that sounds, because like without the baby in the house, I'm just on crazy hours, you know, oh, okay, my okay. wife needs backup. So sometimes I'll work late till one, two o'clock in the morning, you know, and then I'll catch up. And then I finish it working at two. And now I need like an hour and a half to unwind and watch whatever TV shows I want. Yeah. So, you know, but now I'm kind of on a schedule where I'm getting to bed 
forcing you to pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At a more reasonable time. Right on, man. Well, enjoy that while it's happening, I guess. Yeah. Shit, man. Uh, well, I met you um, pretty briefly uh, at it? Origins. Oh, Origins. It would have been tw- 2018. So I, I found after doing some research more on you and your company, I think it's cool because it seems to be somewhat right at the halfway point between when you launched and where you are now. I kind of met you right in the middle there. So um, yeah, it was uh, my first time to the States in ages at that point. And I really loved Columbus. Uh, my fiance and I both thought it was a really great city. It's actually now one of my favorite cities, uh, Ohio, well, Columbus, Ohio as a state. We did our grand gathering, which was our first like private convention style event that we ever did. Uh, and we have some really huge play groups out there. Plus Origins treats us incredible. Well, some of the other conventions. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a good show and the amount of space and advertisement that they give us and basically how they treat us for our events compared to like Gen Con, which is Gen Con just doesn't care. It doesn't matter how many tickets you sell, how much you do, you know, next year. It's, it's always a struggle to even get in the door. And then meanwhile, Origins is like, how much space you guys need? Everybody loves you. So totally you know, different dynamic. Yeah, it's been great. Well, I should say for any of my listeners that might not be uh, quite as geeky as me and, and into this kind of stuff, that those are both big, big gaming conventions for tabletop gaming in the U.S. And uh, Gen Con being, I guess, larger. I've never been myself. That's like, you know, for like the Super Bowl of gaming almost. Yeah. Uh, basically, it's in Indianapolis. And at its peak, you know, prior to COVID, it would actually be the Indianapolis Convention Center and the football stadium. Oh, wow. Now, that's how much gaming would go on. Yeah, and it was pretty crazy. That's amazing. And, and Origins is in the, the Greater Columbus Convention Center, which is still a pretty sizable convention center. But we have such a better relationship with them as a company that I look forward to Origins as like our main event, you know, where nice. it always was Gen Con. But now we've kind of moved it towards Origins. Yeah, even when I met you there, uh, you guys already had quite a following. I could see a lot of people stopping by who seemed like they were there just for your product. And uh, you guys, it, it drew me in when I walked by. Uh, and I say this lovingly because it's probably my favorite genre, but it had like an Ameritrash vibe to it. And uh, yeah. I love those board games. It just sucked me in instantly. You guys had a lot of varied artwork, uh, all original custom content, which is really cool. And I think you guys, you, stri- you know, straddled that line between you have the professionalism side, your game works well, you're at a, like a legitimate convention, but it still has this homegrown like mom and pop feel to it. And I think I picked up on that really quickly and it sort of just, you know, warmed my heart a little bit. I wanted to, to learn more right away. Our fan base loves that. And, and we're really proud of our fan base and our community, but it might shock some people when they come and play when we're trying to keep that grassroots fun gaming experience where not everything is cutthroat there's no like ban list listed on the website and you know 2500 page rules documents documenting every sort of interaction basically we come in there and we want you to play we want you to have a good time play within the rules and we'll we figure some things out as we go you know and and that's what makes our gaming experience so much fun because a lot of people like you you're traveling some people taking a vacation to go to these conventions right yeah so to me the experience and the fun is should be what you take away when you go home more so than the competition. It's great to go to a magic event and win and place. But, you know, a lot of times you see the people, if they don't win in the event, they had a bad time. And that's kind of the opposite of what's going on with these super show events that we're throwing. Yeah, man. I uh, wished I could have picked up some more product of yours at the time because uh, my fiance and I, it was a trip for us. We actually went because I was doing, um, 
you know, the play-by-play for the hero clicks tournaments for the U S nationals. I got a, a sweet gig doing that. So, uh, it was essentially worked out to be a bit of a free trip, but we didn't have tons of extra money to be burning while we were there. So I did pick up, uh, I think one or two of the starter packs from you mainly because my neighbor was a wrestling fanatic. Uh, I love tabletop games, but I should, you know, preface by saying I've never been massively into wrestling. Uh, I do think that if I hadn't have gone down the comic book route that I could have ended up like a WWF guy or way more into that because I really respect fandoms in general. You know, even if it's not the one I fell into, I love when people are passionate about these uh, fabricated universes, you know, and just really get into it. So um, I I gave it to him. He loved it. He and he's someone who, you know, is a little lighter on the gaming side. But he thought he, he got it right away and he wanted to keep playing it over and over. And I think that's one really cool thing about your game is it just kind of grabs you and sucks you in and you don't get caught up in like, oh, wait, I got to check the rule book again, like every five seconds. There's many things I want to get into about the game. But that being the best part right off the bat is that it's so approachable. You know, it's so just inviting. Yeah, like this weekend, we're going to do an event where the winner gets to win a creative character. So there's a convention coming up called Long Island Tabletop gaming convention right in my backyard so we hope that they blow up to be huge nice um and we have a core group of players coming but there'll be a lot of people that learn to play the day of and will be able to participate in this tournament and do well one of the people in the house uh we call him Candyman dan he was the rookie of the year a couple of years ago because he came to one of these events where the winner gets to make a character in the game, which is our super competitive biggest events we throw. He played with the starter deck and he won the event, eliminating the person who would go on to be the world champion and the player of the era. So it was this huge moment that wow, you know, the player that got it. beat was like my close friend. And I was cheering for the new guy and my close friend was so crushed that I would be rooting for this guy. I said, guy, <laughs> you're like a three-time champion already in this game. Yeah. This guy learned how to play like a week ago. This guy's the definition that's what of an underdog. my game is right, is what the game is supposed to be about. You know what it says about my product and my game, that a guy can walk in with a $25 purchase and win a $1,000 prize? You know, in other games, you got to spend $10,000 on your deck before you could even compete, you know? So, so true. So I was really pumped to see my friend go down and, he got over it eventually, but it was just too, too hard to not root for the ultimate underdog. in that yeah. situation. <laughs> well, this is very in line with what I've heard you say a couple of times, which is the, the play it forward concept, right? I don't know if you want to explain that. It's just trademarked, I'm assuming, but. So we call it play it forward. Uh, the idea is our games are simple enough to teach somebody after you play what after one game, just you can one teach time, somebody yeah. how to play. Um, however, play it forward is more of like the, the morale of the community. Uh, we encourage people to gift things to people. We do a lot of charity events. We've started a thing called Fill the Van, where we raise money. We drop off literal a van full of toys to Toys for Tots. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, we've done a lot of different fundraisers. I mean, you could talk in our community to things that not only that we do for charity, but what our community does for each other. And that's what I'm more proud of, more so than the success of the game and the company and the products, because our community is actually fantastic fantastic and it sounds cliche when i say they talk about each other like their family but it, it really does um and even in like the simplest ways somebody has a bad day post something on social media you'll see 50 comments and it's all from the srg community players having their back you know in times of loss or happiness they kind of all take care of each other and i think that part of that is because they're involved with a game that is competitive yes it is but it also 
the main focus is fun. And then mm-hmm. we push that on one of our Kickstarter campaigns where it's uh, community is first and then competition is next. And some hardcore players can't stomach that. And to me, I, I always say, go play Magic the Gathering. You know, yeah. just if that's what you want, if you want to be the best gamer in the world, become a chess master or go play exactly. one of the big threes yeah. and play for that here. I'm just looking to mess around and pretend I'm a wrestler for an hour and 45 minutes. And I want to be able to play against a, a fellow, you know, 30 something year old who is a skilled gamer. But then I also want to play against his 13 year old nephew who's never played a game before and have an epic match with him too. And that's really like the, the vibe that we go for when we play these games. And I that's love what that. The, the play it forward has really been about. And it has transcended the, the initial ideas of what we had, you know, um, you know, some play it forward things we do. If you win a prize online, you have to pick a play it forward partner and they also get the prize for free. Oh, but cool. the way the community has done things, and I, I don't like to air out people's personal business, but if you're in the group and you see some of the things that they do for one another, it's really, it's really special and beautiful. Yeah. Well, I, I honestly, even researching for this episode, I saw a lot of that in the comments sections, whether it's on YouTube videos or whatever, it, it's a lot of things, people saying delightful game, even better community you know, like family, a lot of the words you've been saying. So, I mean, that was a question I was going to ask you later, but I'm curious now, why do you think that your, your game has encapsulated that, you know, community spirit in such a way that other games really haven't? I think it starts at the top, not to pat myself and my team on the back, but that was always what we strived for from day one. And when I had developed this game and I got together with my partners, um, I've said that from day one and I wanted it to be unwavered that, I don't cater towards playing the game. I want the game to be accessible to a new player. I want it to be fun. I don't want power creep built in. Mm. I'm not catering towards players. And I've had people criticize me You know, on, on a recent thing. We've now been fortunate enough to partner with wrestling companies. We did a New South box set where it was New South Wrestling. You get six of their characters, comes in a box. Now we're doing Catalyst Wrestling, a company that's close to us and blowing up and doing amazing. And people are saying, well, you're not making the characters too good in this game, in these deck. Like, why would I buy that deck if I'm not getting someone good? And I look them right in the face and say, I don't care if you buy it for that reason. If you're going to tell me you didn't buy it because it's not strong enough, then you're not the customer. I want you to buy it because you like Catalyst Wrestling and you want to yeah. play as Colossal Mike Law. You know, I can't just keep making every product better and better and better because then eventually the old stuff is useless. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, turns your back on your fan base and your customers. And those are the people that supported you from day one. And you see so that we, in so many other games. Yeah. And, uh, if not all the time, pretty much every collectible game for sure. But anything with regular releases, they do find a way to make older stuff obsolete and it becomes very frustrating. And it's a, deliberate. Yeah. 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 And that's the point. It's, it's very deliberate. So we offer services where people can make characters and I tell them very openly, I'm aiming for middle of the pack. If the fans have a tier list, I'm not aiming for A and B. I'm aiming right smack in the middle, and that's it. Let you know, let your creativity let you win. Um, and again, I think that those core fundamentals that even when money is on the line, and trust me, we could print cards for $50 that everybody would have to buy for their deck. We don't do that. And I think that when we stand firm with that, people come to our events, they realize that we're not kidding. We want you to have more fun for that two days you're with us or eight hours or five hours or a whole week, whatever it is. 
it ripples down. Now people are there to have fun. They're having a good time. They're in the mindset. Well, you know, really at the end of the day, if I win incredible, but if I didn't win, it's still okay. And that makes the, a little bit more com camaraderie between the people there. Yeah. And, and the reason why I developed a game like this is I played competitive games when I was a kid and I loved them. They were a huge part of my childhood. I got to travel to different States. I got to meet a ton of people, but it felt like if I went to a convention with four people, those people were my friends and everybody else was my adversary. Cause it was like, if we didn't win, it was a failure of an event. And I got to a point in my life where I wanted a hobby that wouldn't cost me a second mortgage. Uh, I, I have 500 characters in the game. If you want a second mortgage, you can absolutely have that super show if you're a collector, <laughs> but you don't need that to win. And I wanted something that was enjoyable. You know, you go to other games and I don't mean to criticize magic, the gathering, cause I'm a fan of the game. It's a very good game, but you go to an event and people are spending their money to travel and they're stone face serious yeah. for the whole time. They're waiting maybe 40 minutes between rounds. And it's like, then you look over at Super Show and people are literally like chanting and cheering and screaming like and yeah. having the time of their life. And that's what I wanted to capture when people, you know, paid money to see us for a weekend or, or shorter or longer. I mean, I think there's room for both, too, as well, because if somebody really, you know, that's a joy for them to go to a convention and that is their serious sporting thing and they want to take it really seriously. I'm sure some people can get a lot of joy out of that. Um, it seems oh, absolutely. Like you know, it's like the difference between going to do some event at the Olympics and there's so much on the line or playing a fun game of dodgeball with your buddies. That's kind of what I'm picking up here, you know, like and and neither is wrong, but I would definitely be in the dodgeball crew, I think. <laughs> yeah, And that's what I think at my stage of the game right now, I'm going for the dodgeball. Don't get me wrong. Those dodgeball finals get pretty intense. Yeah, it comes yeah. Down to it Because people still know the rules. But we were just talking about as a whole. And you're absolutely right. Some people love to make it, I always call it like a chess match. And sometimes we have live matches that end up turning into being a chess match and people are dead silent and watching every move and every dice roll. And that's wonderful too. But I think part of that is fueled by what we were talking about earlier is you have to have constant rotation of cards and new things coming out and everything's gotta be constantly evolving and changing. So I think it just breeds two different atmospheres, which both are very enjoyable. I mean, I, I participated in a magic draft at a charity event a couple of weeks ago and I had a blast doing it. And it was definitely nothing like a super show event, you know, where we were had referees at ringside and people trying to distract you and things like that. But <laughs> to me, it's, it, it wasn't the, the vision that I had for my particular game. But that's cool, man. Yeah, there's room for it all. And that's the best part about gaming is that there's so much diversity out there when you start to explore. Um, OK, well, let's go back uh, and, and I want to hear about like the creation process of the game. You've, you've talked about how you were playing some games as well, but there's still a long stretch between being a gamer and saying I want to make my own game. It's a huge thing and something that honestly, even at this stage of my life is somewhat of a bucket list item for me. Uh, you know, even just one single standalone board game, if I could publish one, I would be it would make me very happy inside, but you've got this franchise that's been going eight years now. And I just want to know like where the spark really began that make you want to take that plunge and, and that risk essentially into entrepreneurial, you know, that world. So as a kid, I played a game called WWE raw deal and I was pretty good at it. I loved it. It was a great game. It was created by a guy named Baron Banger Toth and Mike Foley. And the ongoing joke was always Mike, no relation Foley. He's not related to Mick Foley, the famous oh. wrestler. <laughs> and they published it through a company uh, called Comic Images. And they had WWE licensing. And I played that as a kid. And as I said, I made a ton of friends from it. And it actually was 
the beginning of loving card games for me. You know, that was like the first big one that we played. And then through that group of friends, we picked up this game called Tops Attack, right? And it was like a dollar a pack in Target and in the local store. And it was a football themed game. There actually is a wrestling one as well, which plays similarly. I think and you've seen, I might have seen these. I think there's a soccer one too. Is it like a super it's basic? For everything. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, like yeah. you have three colors and three numbers. We each put a card down and flip it over, and whoever has the highest number wins. That's mm. it. So, like, it's a, it's a cool concept of a game, but it has nothing to do with football. So, anyway, we bought these packs for a dollar. And I was like, this sucks. Like, this has nothing to do with football, even for a dollar. So, I took the game that they had and I added rules to it. Like, I didn't change any of the cards. So, basically, Cards on the bottom had like a rarity value, three, four, or five. So I was like, okay, well, the five ones are better. So let's make a salary cap for football, right? So you could only play with, I don't, it might have been 40 stars in your deck. That was your salary cap. So you couldn't just play the best cards, which is what you could do without my rule, right? Yeah, just yeah. The best people you start to customize, yeah. Yeah, and then I was, you need to have, instead of just doing one round, why don't we do four quarters, right? So you now you have 16 cards that you pick and, and quarter number one, you pick four of them. My opponent doesn't know which ones are four. And then quarter number two, you do the next four. And so, and the strategy is when do you send out your best players, right? That can make all the difference. Yeah. Um, and we were like, we were loving it. We sold out like three local stores of this game, right? And like nobody could keep Tops Attack in stock because we were playing this version that I had created. Oh man, that's Like crazy. all my locals were playing it. We were having a blast. You know, I was a dollar a pack. So like nobody could get hurt, right? Yeah. You spend $10, you get like a huge collection and everybody was trading. Um, and somebody was like, why don't we make our own game? And, and I was like, okay, that sounds like a great idea. It was never something that was on my radar and it was from my raw deal friends. And they had come up with the idea of they want to do an MMA game, mixed martial arts. Now, I'm personally not a fan of UFC. Um, I don't watch it. I trained a little bit when I was a kid. Nothing major. I know what it feels like to be in the ring and fighting. I don't like to watch two guys kick the shit out of each other for real. Give me the fake stuff on WWE any day of the week, right? So I wrote up rules for this MMA game. Um, and the people I worked with filled in all the cards. So like I came up with majority of the mechanics, they came up with the cards and now we pitched it to tops. Uh, we were trying to pitch it to a lot of companies. I kept calling tops just cause I was familiar with it from tops attack. And eventually I got them on the phone after calling pretty much nonstop and telling them that we were selling out tops attack in our local stores. And they laughed. They're like, nobody buys that game. That's, you know, they, they wanted to hear how we could possibly have made the game popular. So we came in with a meeting. We showed them the UFC game. They liked us. They liked the concept. And the overall result was they don't think that people that play trading card games are interested in a UFC game. And oh, like it's too. Sporty. I agreed. Yeah, I, I agree. I didn't disagree. I, I was like, you know what? Most people who like UFC and tap out, you know, they might dabble with other games, but I don't think they're hanging out at the topic bookshop or yeah, Gen yeah. Con on the weekend. So I, I could see like there was a disconnect. And they might not be interested. So they had asked if we would be interested in the WWE game. And to me, it was like, are you kidding me? That's my favorite thing ever. And, you know, the guys I was working with didn't want to. They said, we're not budging. We came in here with UFC. We're staying with UFC. I said, they want WWE. I'm going to handle the WWE. So as a lover of Raw Deal, and Baron, the creator, was my idol. I won a trip 
uh, where my brother let me win in the finals to win a trip to WrestleMania. We were the first brother duo to make the finals in this game. And my flight got delayed and the creator of Raw Deal was on my flight. So as this young kid, I got to sit and talk to him and he was a larger than life individual. I'm probably exaggerating. Maybe I'm not. Maybe like six, five, 500 pounds. Oh, shit. Needed two seats on the airline. He was that big, big. How, how old are you at this point? I was probably 1920, I think. Oh, damn. Pretty you fucking know, baller I to be like rolling up in tops meetings at 19. No, this was this was tops. This was before this. This is what I meant. Oh, okay, okay. But probably like 23, 24 was still. Tops that's that's still pretty impressive, man. It was it was a dream come true. So anyway, we, we got our way in there. And because I loved Raw Deal and my time with Baron, Baron was actually the first person who got me to read a book for fun. He recommended a book. I looked up to this guy. I read it cover to cover to maybe have a conversation with him one day in the future, just about the book. And from there, I, I got a real uh, passion for reading. So when I went to Tops, I actually wrote up Super Show as a board game um, with a similar mechanic, lead, follow-up finishes as you went around the board game. You had a skill chart. The skill chart matched up with the spaces on the board. Uh, and that's how I started testing. And when I went back to Tops, they happened to really like me. I gave them a pitch. They brought in the VP of the company at the time for me to re-pitch it to him, which I thought was, a, was an honor. Yeah. Um, wow. And I was very open with them. I said, Tops Attack sucks. You know, that's why the game <laughs> flopped. No other reason. I said, you had this game that was like checkers, was super easy, and nobody wanted to play a game that easy. Then you released set two, which was actually a good game. But anybody who could appreciate set two quit after set one. You yeah. know? And then the people that were familiar with checkers now got to learn how to play chess. It didn't work. Well, and just, just blindly pitch. slapping a theme on something where the mechanics don't relate to the theme at all frustrates the crap out of me too. Like I get it. Exactly. Completely. Right. And I'm like, it was a cool game, but like it didn't need to be soccer or wrestling or yeah. football. And Played I feel no like part. real yeah. fans know that. Right. So that's why it like has a glass ceiling. I'm going to buy it because they're, you know, John Cena's on it and it was a dollar. Don't get me wrong. It got my money. Right. But it's not going to continue to get my money after I played it one time. Yeah. So they asked me straight up, you know, we're not in the, the board game department. Why not traditional trading card game model? And I said, I could do that. I could convert this. However, part of me didn't want to do it because of my love for raw deal, but Baron had passed away. The game was out of print for several years. I kind of was like, listen, Raw deal is not coming back anytime soon. You know, maybe not ever. Let's try to pass the torch and do yeah. it, you know, our way. Continue the so, legacy in a new way. Yeah. And I am very open about a lot of the stuff in Super Show I did based off what I felt Raw Deal shouldn't have done. Right. Mm. Meaning like there were some things that it you could win the match without hitting finishing moves or moves in general. And in Super Show, you have to win by pinning or making your opponent tap out or counting them out. You know, you have title belts that not anyone can use. The title belt is one person has it. If they lose it, it passes to somebody else. You know, very wrestling thematic. Yeah. And I drew up this concept and they seem to love it. And part of my pitch to them was you have the IP for Marvel, for Star Wars, for WWE, for UFC. Why not do all of them? Start with WWE and use the same mechanic and now release an X-Men set. And, oh, we can't cross brands. Uh, and I was like, but people would love to do Wolverine versus John Cena versus Darth Vader. Like, <laughs> yeah. to me, that sounds like the coolest thing ever. And they, they weren't in favor of that. They wanted to stick to wrestling. Uh, and they kept promising me that I would get a deal. 
So I had written up Super Show with a whole big card. And they kept saying I get a deal and, and months went by, probably even turned into years. And I was silly. I didn't have a lot of money, but I was still trying to register and trademark things, which was a lot of money. And eventually I realized that it wasn't going anywhere. Some of the contents, the contacts that I had left the company and the, the, the mm. higher ups were still there, but they could see that what went from you'll get a contract and you'll be very happy with it. to this isn't happening. It's coming really quick. Shit. So I had made the decision that Gen Con would be my cutoff. I had already demoed it a year before with, you know, just black and white paper. People seem to like it. I said, I'm going to hire my own artist. I'm going to make up my own characters and I'm going to make my own deck. But I had a card pool at this point because it was very heavily trading card game. So when I was designing it, I thought to myself, well, I'm very good at card games. Why don't I just pick what I think would be the best overall deck for anybody that you can insert. And that's just the game. Like right there, cut out all the other stuff for now. Like all those cards are good, but like, this is what I think are the 30 best cards, no matter who you're playing with. And this is the box set game. And you don't have to buy packs. You don't have to do all the dances to get all the good cards. I'm going to give them to you right in the box. It's going to save me money because I only have to print the stuff that is usable right off the bat. Not like the coaster style cards as people call them. Um, and I put it all in the box and I had all the cards numbered. And then I realized that I could use the numbers for slotting on the card. Yeah, where, this okay. is this is ingenious, man. Like this is something and, I you're hitting so many things I wanted that. to talk about here. But yeah. um, that one, I'm going to stop you because I think that is so cool. And I wanted to know if that was something that was inspired by another game or if that was just pure innovation on your part, because it was just literally like I had numbered the cards because I had decided these are going to be the cards at first. I had numbered them once it was physically there in front of me. I was like, you know what? What if, because like one of the first schools of thought that I wanted to do for um, like a WWE version, if you had access to the photo log, was that if you bought a John Cena deck, right? You would get cards number one through 30, which are the same as the Randy Orton deck, except the pictures are different mm. and the moves can be cool, right? So like if I threw a punch card, it'd be John Cena throwing a punch. Right. So like I thought that would be really cool thematically if you could have the same game, but depending on who you were using, it would look different. Yeah. You would actually get to use their cards. So like that was part of the reason the cards were numbered. So I could keep all the slots in line and change the names of the pictures. But once mm -hmm. I had them on paper, I realized that, you know, what if you had to always play with one through 30, then you could have cards that do different things and it wouldn't change the power level of the game because we could decide the power level of a card based on the number and then you have to interchange them so for example 22 is a really strong number in super show i could put all the strongest cards in slot number 22 but no matter what no matter how many options there are you still only get one of those cards yeah or if you play other games and i print you know 30 really good cards you start with those 30 and now you pick the other 15 that are in your deck yeah and that's what i hated about games where it was like you look at a tournament with a hundred players and 80% of their decks were the same cards. Yeah. You know, same so, annoying. so being able to put cards in cards numbers was really great because it allowed us to print so many different things without affecting the power levels and the power creep as it's called too drastically. Well, and the other side of all this, not only is it a balancing thing, which is great and you don't have everybody building the same deck, but for people like me, 
I think it's cool to be able to customize a deck, but I don't like spending tons of time, like two hours. My brother's like that. He would love to just spend a whole night building a deck and that's fun for him. I want to play the game more than I want to build, but I do like having that option to customize. So just being like, okay, yeah, I'm going to switch out this 15 and this 12 for this 15 and 12 right there. I've already made my deck feel different with just two cards and it didn't take me more than, you know, a minute or two to decide which ones I wanted to put in there. So just for ease of setup and, and yeah, people who maybe don't have as much time for deck building, I think it's really like uh, organizing their collection. People keep in number order and just pull out the ones I want. So that actually, it really worked out. So, one of the morals of this story for the, the beginning is that what didn't work out for me really did work out for me down the line. Because mm. if I would have gotten a deal right off the bat, I would have had a trading card game. Maybe it would have been huge with WWE, but it wouldn't have been in the vision that I end up being able to create. So they were strongly against cross promotions of brands. Now with Super Show, not only was I able to cross promote my own characters, but I work with several different companies. So we have our fantasy characters that we've created first and guys that are signed to AW and WWE and new Japan you know, prior to their big deals. And that's something that would have never, ever been allowed. And not only that, we actually have created content where our card art feature, our fans and our players. And that is one of the reasons where super show gets so popular is because people are able to put themselves or their friends or their family as gifts on cards. And now other people are using those cards and they're signing autographs and taking pictures with people and people are trying to collect all the things. And that's why like our community was built so strong based on SRG universe, not on other brands. If we had licensed it out uh, and like all these things that wouldn't have been possible in the early stages ended up being, you know, the best thing for us to happen. Yeah. You have total creative to control over everything. And yeah, and we, we really stand firm in our beliefs for people, you know, sometimes people pay for characters and they get mad. If I tell them, no, I'm like, you paid the same amount as somebody else. Like I'm not selling the best abilities to the highest bidders and stuff at the end yeah. of the day, you know, that's not what drives my game. My game is driven by people that enjoy the company. They enjoy the product. And when people do those sort of things, they're happy to spend their money on your things. You know, well, and I think the community that you guys do the whole, uh, for lack of a better term, like the soap opera vibe of of wrestling. I've seen, you know, people doing shit talking posts about this upcoming championship or whatever. You know, there's really just that fun, competitive spirit. Yeah. And, and it, t- it transcends sometimes what they call wrestling is like kayfabe, what's real and what's not, you know, just to put some people on the on blast for what was about a week ago. Um, we have a title belt called the intergalactic title. We have a lot of fun with it. It was basically, it was the inspiration for our Kickstarter where the intergalactic title, if you lose you, your soul has been absorbed by it. That character is no longer playable. And now it's a real belt that we pass around. Oh, crazy. So there was a six man birdcage match on our live stream where six people were competing for this title for real. Um, and the winner would be the new intergalactic champion. The champion was in it. After about an hour and a half of play, it came down to two people. One guy won. His name is Splits. He defeated a Hall of Famer in our game to be the new Intergalactic Champion, right? And then a video package hit where another competitor in the game had a video package. It said KO on the screen, and the guy was laid out, and he said new champion. He just basically left with a belt himself, right? (laughs) And, like the internet in our community was flipping out that this was crazy. And like, nobody was in on it. And like, 
I'm enjoying this from home the next day, watching it all unfold, watching it like the guy was unconscious after a video package. Like, obviously, <laughs> the people involved knew what was going on when they went into it. Like, they played the match legitimately, but they had a different outcome that they had all discussed, you know, over the next two months. This is how we're going to play out the storyline and the soap opera. In this yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. And, like, people were so legitimately upset by this and everybody's calling me to get my opinion i'm like listen that's what the game is about like these people got together they made a storyline they got dozens and hundreds of people arguing over it on the internet nobody knows what's real or fake and that's kind of the point of the wrestling and at the end of the day whether you want to admit it like people were so angry with me that i was saying that they all were in on it because i was trying to save face for myself because i got fooled that's how upset people were and i'm like or those seven people tricked you and you just don't want to come to that realization. But to me, like, I love that that is possible because of super show, as long as it's kept within reason and people don't escalate things to a point where it doesn't need to escalate. But what other, you know, game in general, can you do that? And when we say you can live all your wildest wrestling fantasies without ever taking a chair shot, that's the reason why like people are actually actively making stables and storylines and belts and these things. And, and other players of the game are getting emotionally invested in those storylines as well. And I think that that's such an amazing aspect of what we're doing compared to, you know, other games where it's just, you know, so-and-so player number one ninety four sixty seven won another club, you know? Yeah. Like, what no, are you this talking is about uh, really amazing stuff, man. And I, you touched on this earlier, but the title belts and the championships, it's super cool because if you win, you actually get like a physical card that gives you some sort of a buffer that literally no one else has access to. And I mean, it's not game breaking, but still freaking cool to just be the the bearer of that. Some card. of them are game breaking. You know, that's the, what's interesting with that is you're the champion. Some belts say if you lose by disqualification, you don't lose the title belt. And it's very frowned upon by some people, but I could bring a shovel to our match and swing it at you and if it gets stopped, uh, I got caught. So I'm DQ'd, but guess what? I'm still your champion. And you know, that happened a couple of weeks ago in our live match. People were mad, but, but that's wrestling. And, yeah, and I try to tell people when they get involved with the title belts, that this is a storyline prop to have fun with yeah. you being the champion does not mean you're the best player in the game. You know, I don't give title belt shots in all cases to people who win a tournament. Sometimes we just pick somebody who did something amazing for somebody, people who support the game. And we try to separate, you know, when you go to Gen Con and you win the world championship, you were the 2020 Gen Con world champion. Nobody could ever take that away from you. But if you're the underworld champion, you might show up for a tournament and now you're in a triple threat match and you lose the title without even getting pinned, which is what really could happen in wrestling too, right? True. So it's we try to do a good job of saying that the title belt is here for you to participate in a spectacle so grand, as we call it, in this fantasy wrestling world. And that's separate from who wants to be ranked the top player in the world, you know? So it, it's just been such an amazing dynamic that I actually, a lot of times I feel like I own a wrestling promotion because there's so many personalities, and people fighting over title belts. And some people have a hard time grasping that this is a game and it's supposed to be fun and we're supposed to do storylines to get together. And other people, they don't want that. They just want my deck list is the best. I want a tournament every Saturday and I want a ranking of who's won the most games. You know, and, and, and but like we said, there's lots of other games for those people. Yeah, and there is. And you know what? You could even we have events like that. Tonight is the Thursday night event. Thursday night events that you sign up on our website, people play on Zoom. That has the 
bring your good stuff, top of the line, no surprises, very, you know, cookie cutter style format, may the best man win. I might do a pop-up on Sunday where I will literally start the event with, I'm the boss, whatever I say goes. If you don't like what I'm booking, you can leave the event right now. You know, we're here to do whatever. I might start this event as a singles match. Round two, you might be in a tag team match with a person you hate more than anything. <laughs> but, like, that's what it is. And, you know, and you don't get that at other games. And, you know, I just try to make it clear when we're doing Avenue A and when we're doing Avenue B in that sense. That very much lines up with the title you guys have for uh, the unpredictable card game. Yeah. It's really I, what you're trying to, you know, bring along in the spirit of it. Absolutely. And I think part of it is because I was very good at a lot of games that are super competitive. And I love to play games with my friends and family. But some of those super competitive games, I could never play with a friend casually mm. as much as I wanted to. Because when you're seasoned in some of the more competitive things, you have to let somebody win for them. Or they're going to gonna hate you. the experience and never want to play. For a very, very yeah. long time, right? Like, I'm pretty confident WWE Raw Deal is a game that I really enjoyed and I was very good at. If you've never played a game in your life, it would probably take you a few months before you could actually beat me in the game the same way a rookie at chess wouldn't be the chess best. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, that learning curve is so high. Super show, anyone can win when they first play because there's dice. However, it is very deeply strategic. And if you understand that strategy, you can take advantage of every little mathematical edge that you could get, which will make all the difference in a game like that. Uh, but you still have the chance that you can lose by dice rolling. And I love that. I love that the top players in the world could be seven and zero, oh, and they get to top 16, they lose to a 13 year old and people get mad. And I'm like, you, you're never going to see me get upset. At you know, That's, I don't want to hear the same then with yeah, all my I games. I would say, I, I always like at least some element of randomness. I know there's a lot of people who love like, board games where there's none of that. But for me, if you take out the dice rolling or at least the random card shuffling, you know, I, I like there to be some element of rogue. You don't know what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And it's, and I guess part of that is a lot of times I play tested with some of the best players in the world in this stuff. And like, I saw it firsthand, you know, some of these guys won. one of the guys who went on to be our super show world champion three years in a row, um, he would win some of the tournaments we had 17, 18 weeks in a row. And I'm like, at what point are you not, are you tired, man? You know, you haven't lost the game in 15 weeks. You know, does it ever think that you got to switch your strategy up and let somebody else eat for a little yeah, bit? Yeah, you have know? some fun with it. So we really pushed that. Um, oh, before it, I forget this, because I've, I've thought about it a few times now, I don't want to forget to ask SRG universe, the SRG I'm guessing is that Steve rest games. I'm not as ego driven as many claims so it is some random guys universe is what i officially oh, right on. the universe cool, cool. as in the early stage it was steve breast gaming and i didn't want to just entirely put my name on something um because even though i did start it without the help of so many people and so many fans it's really you know it's it could have been anybody who did what i did but it's just the collective effort of so many people well, uh, did you co-found it with um john callis yeah, John Calais, general Calais, manager so. John Calais on screen uh, is a very, very good friend of mine. I knew him from Raw Deal. Uh, he's a very smart man. He graduated Hofstra, I believe, with great grades. He went on to be a, um, a CPA, working for some huge companies. And before he became super successful, I had showed him Super Show. 
and he was a raw deal player and he was like this is incredible and i was like i'm looking for a partner to split everything with me right down the middle um and you know he without hesitation signed the check we incorporated as a business and right on probably one of the better things he's ever done in his life and I'm real grateful for Calais. I give him a ton of shit saying he's always out drinking cocktails while I do all the work or whatever he's doing, you know, making sure we don't go to jail for tax issues and, and things like that. But there was a game concept in the beginning. I worked with John. John from day one has always been able to kind of let me see my vision and support it. Um, and we've done a lot of things that I think a lot of people would have advised against. But I know John, knowing me personally, had been on board with it. Everything seemed to work out. And now we actually have a third partner, uh, Griff Briggs, who's yeah, now our, here too, yeah. our COO. Uh, and Griff has kind of been, he was a player of the game. Same thing, loved it, got involved as well. He Now he kind of helps us streamline things that we weren't great at, like release dates and printing coordinations. Uh, and he's been a great asset too. Uh, but that it was a whole different dynamic too, because you have Griff, who's very business savvy as well as John and you have me who's kind of a little bit more street smart. And I go with the vibe and the feeling of things where I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to look at everything as a math equation, right? Something might cost us a lot of money to do and it, and it doesn't pan out on paper, but you go to a convention or a show and you lose money, but you made 50 fans to me over time, it ends up being a win. So yeah, it was a new dynamic where we had two more like very, very, numerically book smart people and me and we we all work really well together which i'm happy to say well it but, sounds like you have such a unified vision which really helps you know not to go astray from the, the course essentially to keep in the same direction you want to be going and moving yeah in. and that's something that we always push with with griff too i'm like i do a lot of things on the vision and the principle of stuff and we're not going to deviate from that you know like right now We've had opportunities where distributors wanted to pick us up and, you know, take over our website, distribute for us. And I've told them there are, you know, 20 cards in each number. We hand write our customers letters. We handle everything hands on. I'm not trusting my brand with somebody else unless they prove to us that they're going to give our customers the care that they deserve. You know, when you order from my website, that's the only product that you have to worry about. When you order from a distributor, they might be putting their energy into the most popular item. Yeah. You know, and, and to me, I don't necessarily care if it could be more money in the short term. I want to make sure that the community and the people that have supported us from day one know that we're still with the same principles that I am packing these cards with my family. You know, my grandmother, 91 years old, really does come over on the weekends and help us do stuff. Yeah, I've seen pictures you of order, Yeah, if you order something, and you want my wife to autograph it, she will do it. You know, if you, you might get a random prize from us that says, Hey, you ordered twice today. Here's some extras. We appreciate you ordering twice. Other companies are not going to have that sort of personal touch. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's, you know, what we're trying to preserve, even if that means sacrificing expansion and, and don't get me wrong. We're expanding at a great pace. I'm really happy where the business is at, but I think that some people look at things as just, uh, like a, a math equation and, you know, in, in goes the money, more has got to come out every single time. Or some people will say your monthly numbers are down. I'm like, you can't have a banger every month, dude. Like sometimes, <laughs> you know, January is rough for people. Christmas yeah, just yeah, passed. For sure. you know? Like every, every month your numbers can't go up. You got to be realistic with that. 
or like well, I think that's why it's still like, around here, right? Like eight years later is because companies like Tops and, and many other big companies, they make sure that they as a company stay around. But a lot of these games are like a flash in the pan and they're like, oh, yeah, they don't care as much as we thought. It's yeah. done. Pull the plug. Oh, we have a Star Wars game. It didn't go well. Well, OK, let's rebrand Star Wars and do it again. And you're going to buy it if you're a Star Wars fan. You yeah. know, that's the power of the IPs. Uh, so it's always interesting. Like for our Kickstarter, our last Kickstarter was called Time Warp. Um, and it was a little sci-fi theme, something that we haven't done for the wrestling element, where we had a straight up wrestling box set with a character who is messing with time travel. And then we had an add-on, which was called the Ultra Cosmic Crusaders. You had sci-fi characters. They could hit each other with lightning and fireballs and things like that. And I, I said, why not? Girl. Yeah, Slime Girl was yeah, created by my cool. eight-year-old daughter. You know, right she wanted to do Slime Girl. And she had these ideas. She should surf on slime and she should be able to get a slime monster. And then I sat down with her and I, I'm always thinking like way ahead. I'm like, we could really dive into slime girl's character. Like slime in real life is bacteria and things like that. Like what if she has the ability to manipulate bacteria and then she could, you know, affect people and shit. Yeah. And meanwhile, there's bacteria everywhere. So if somebody had that superpower to collect all the bacteria in the room, you could, it's huge. You know, there's so much stuff. And she don't understand what I'm going with it. At eight but years did old. you get slack from uh, like some of the hardcore wrestling people that didn't want the fantastical side of things to enter into it? Yeah. Some people said, I was like, dude, you had seven years of straight wrestling. Okay. You know, now we're dabbling into other stuff. We did a set called Ikazo, which was the same game mechanic, fully, fully interchangeable, but it was an anime fighter. So it had lasers, guns, supernatural oh, abilities. And I love that. Again, I love Mortal Kombat, Smash Brothers. Same here. You know, like all those games I grew up on was amazing. And to me, like, I like the fact that AJ Styles, who's on WWE, can now fight a ninja. Like, that's just, <laughs> you know, like wrestling is so fake at its core. And so many people, it's not. It's like, if I walked up to you and punched you in the face, like, you would be out cold or vice versa. You know, yeah, nobody's yeah. taking 10 solid punches to the head. Especially you know? when so like tanks like this, you know. Yeah, if you could buy into that, that I could throw you, you know, a 10-foot drop and you land on the floor and be okay. You know, I mean, that actually hurts, but in wrestling, they sell it. Then why can't I throw a fireball at you? You'd be OK, right? In, in the similar. Aspect. Yeah, exactly. Well, and you guys and have again, such a vast uh, roster of characters that it's very easy. You could easily just collect only the photo real people or only the, the fantastic ones or whatever. Yeah, you want. And I would tell people, like, if you don't want to throw a fireball, at your character, don't put that card in your deck. <laughs> exactly. like, it's like you don't have you don't force it. I'm not making anything that's so good where you have to use it. Yeah. And it's just kind of simple, but you, you do learn over time that people will find things to complain about. And a lot of the people who complain are avid supporters. So I guess their opinion is valid. And some other people just enjoy the ride. Yeah. I, I've had people question me, Hey, why do you, why do you run knee to the face in your deck? I'm like, it's got a picture of me on it. Number one. <laughs> and sometimes you just want an imaginary knee somebody in the face. Like there's no, no rhyme or reason to it. So you just you play the cards for the theme. And if you don't like them, don't use it. And I just thought, like, that should be pretty digestible for adults. And Definitely. it turned out it was it was fine. Like the shock value was like, this is ruined. It's done. This is crazy. And like it changed nothing because realistically, if you ran two of the cards in your deck, even if you had to. Right. So what? You have a deck with 28 wrestling moves and a four shoot. Right. Like, come on, get over it. It doesn't bother me at all, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I like I kind of think it's cool. And then when you grew up on wrestling, like the Undertaker legitimately was a dead man who had the power to shoot lightning on occasion. You know, so like 
you could buy into the Undertaker. Or like the uh, Jake the Snake had like a mind meld with this reptile, you know, like they're, yeah. kinda, you know. Exactly. And like that's I enjoyed that aspect of it. The Same here. Um, like what little I, wrestling I did watch. I did, of course, see some WWF stuff when I was, you know, in the 90s growing up. And that was always the stuff that sucked me. And I always wish there was more probably because I'm a comic guy or whatever, but I always wish there was more supernatural stuff thrown in. And those characters definitely always suck me in as opposed to the next big muscle dude, you know, like, yeah, like I was making a joke in the early stages when people were talking about this, like, can you imagine when somebody walked in the room and pitched Mario? Like I want to have an Italian <laughs> plumber who like smashes blocks with his head to get coins out of it and throws fireballs and in his hand. And, yeah. And like eats mushrooms to get big. And then has a dinosaur that he rides to protect the princess from another dinosaur. People have been like, get out of my office. Like, what's wrong? <laughs> you know, but like, that's fun. But leave, leave the weed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Leave whatever drugs you are on to get to that. Um, but that's what my point is that games are supposed to be a detachment from real life. So it can't be super serious all the time. And like yeah. wrestling at its core is not super serious. No, it's uh, silly know. and fun. Yeah. Right. And that's what we were trying to capture. And as a diehard fan of like Marvel movies and Simpsons and all this fantasy world, once I realized that I could take my love for wrestling and expand the super show game into other things, now that we have comic books based on our characters, and now we did the Ecozo universe, and now we've introduced like the Cosmic Crusaders, and they're they're gonna have adversaries called the marauders of the multiverse like we're doing all these creative things with it and working with different writers and artists to me i don't care what anybody says because i'm having the time of my life sometimes i want to work on wrestling sometimes i feel like talking about comic books sometimes i want to think about a superhero thing you know yeah i said the time warp kickstarter came and it was a success Maybe I just watched way too much Loki during COVID. I don't know. But at the end of the day, well, we could do our own like time variant style game and pull it off and people buy it and be successful. These are all different dreams come true for me. And, uh, That's amazing, and I like man. being able to evolve the game and do different things. And Well, and this is all because of, like you said, not getting that top steal and not having people try to micromanage what you wanted to do, you know? Yeah. And there was a time and a place where, I would have said, no way, this is exclusively wrestling. You want to have somebody who can shoot fire from his hands, that's not happening. But like as I dealt with more and more people, more and more people wanted things like that. And I kind of felt like, who am I to judge and say this is the way that it should be only, right? And there are different things when it comes to art style. Like I think art taught me a big lesson on that. I had some artists where people love and I'd be like, you know, one of the best artists in the world. And some people would criticize it. Then I'd get some cartoon style art and I'd be like, this is like weird. And people would be like, can I do an alt art and pay for this stuff? And like, oh, I love the 8-bit. I love this. So the image of what was exclusively like real life wrestling style cards and then doing different art styles where it was 8-bit and cartoon and anime style, the reception was always positive, like overwhelmingly positive. Like when we put a dragon character as the Dragon Con exclusive promo, people were like, this is ridiculous. You can fight a dragon. But then everybody wanted that dragon promo when it came <laughs> out, you know? So I'm um, like, it, it worked out. And there was a, a, in the early stages, I'd be like, a dragon? Are you kidding me? Get out of here. You're not putting a dragon in this game. And now it's like, wow, dragons are really cool ideas. Like, let's well, it's a great way to bring in new people from who are fans of different genres and stuff. You know, maybe that anime huge anime fan is now going to give your game a chance because they saw that representation there for something they are already interested in. And you know? sometimes you suggest to people that it's wrestling and I love wrestling. I'll take a bullet for wrestling. I'll defend it to the death. <laughs> when wrestling is good, 
it is good. When it is bad, it's cringeworthy. You want to look over at your friends and be like, it's not like this every week, I swear to God. <laughs> um, but there were some people, you're pitching a game, wrestling, and people are just like, oh, wrestling, I'm right off the bat. You know, like they hear wrestling and they don't even want to try it. And we've had so many players that either say, I don't like wrestling and I love your game, or I now love wrestling because of your game. Mm. And being able to expand the horizons into like the Ecozo universe, which is fantasy, and the Cosmic Crusaders really lets people show our product and our community to a wider audience. And, you know, in most cases, they fit right in. If you are a big anime, you know, we have players now that are huge Harry Potter fans and they've seen wizard themed characters come in and now they're playing in the wrestling community as well. And, nice. and that's really like wrestling always had that, right? There always was something for everyone, whether it was your nationality or job or something, they, they try to hit all those genres. So we, I think there's at least for me, I can speak personally that some of my aversion to wrestling would have been the same aversion I had to sports in general at a young age because I wasn't particularly good at them. There was a lot of machismo associated with it, you know, like you got to be some dickhead, super uber masculine, tough guy if you want to be into this shit. And now looking back and examining wrestling more, I'm like, no, nah, it's it's a lot more like a lot of this nerdy shit that I'm into and in, in, other than the physical, I suppose, aspect, but everything else is very theatrical and uh, imaginative. Yeah, some of them are like cheerleaders, yeah. theater. Like somebody had a good joke where uh, at, it was a joke or a tweet where they basically were saying you picture wrestlers as like these meathead, like asshole guys. Most of us were theater kids who wanted to become, you know, performers. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, and that was like a really great aspect of it. Uh, and I and I love that. And I love being that my job has enabled me to talk to wrestlers that I admired from the far on a one-to-one -one level and show them. And a lot of them are huge nerds on things like that. They play other games, they play video games, they watch movies, they play comic books. And we were able to do a show just like this where, you know, we would call it call in the ring. And basically I get wrestlers on to talk about whatever. Hey, what's your favorite video game? Oh, it's Tony Hawk pro skater. Let's talk about that for 30 nice. minutes. You know, Let's talk about your favorite comic book, and then we'll get into what your character does. But when you get to know wrestlers on a personal level, most of them get into wrestling because they love the same type of stuff that we're into, right? They're going home, and they're looking forward to the new Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, you know, yeah, they're, definitely. They're catching up on, on Loki on Disney Plus the same way. They're interested in all like the, the new sci-fi stuff. So that was a cool vote of confidence because even the wrestlers thought it was cool to have sci-fi stuff going in there because a lot of them actually would say when I was talking to them, you know how many fantasy characters I've drawn up for WWE 2K or all the online games where they've made fantasy leagues and eagle leagues. They were doing the same thing where their wrestler in real life is grounded in reality, but they still had these you know fantasy ideas in their own mind. Oh man, that's so cool. I, uh, yeah, man, I wanted to actually ask you about when did you start getting like recruiting legitimate wrestlers into the fold? Because uh, again, I'm not massively into rest wrestling, but when I showed the game to my neighbor who was, he recognized a lot of these names like Cole Cabana and um, Kenny Ortega, or is that his name? No, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, yeah. Um, some, some. If any of your fans watch this, I'm sure they're going to eat me alive for fucking that up. But, um, yeah. you know, it, he was very, very impressed. And I wanted to know when did that start to happen? Because that's a big step. So in the early stages, there was a company, and this is where I say everything kind of works out in a crazy way. There was a company uh, called House of Glory, and I stumbled on them because I had gone to Raw, WWE Raw, a while back. The Undertaker popped out of a casket with Brock Lesnar. If that dates it for anyone, I don't remember what date it was. I spent a ton of money. 
Um, and I went to this show and it was okay. But then I went to an indie show where Drew McIntyre was one of my favorite WWE wrestlers. Cause when I got to meet him, he was doing a meet and greet and the time expired and he stayed behind to sign the autographs for everybody that was there still. And like majority of the other people did it. They went home yeah, and it got to the act. point where security was like, come on, Drew, you had to go like clear as gay, clear as day. They took him away. So when I heard that he was on the Indies, I was like, I have to go see this guy. So for 20 bucks, I sat front row at this indie show after going to a WWE show. And I went with my cousin and I'll never forget Drew McIntyre was Drew Galloway. He was in the main event. He threw Roderick Strong in my cousin's lap, told him to hold him. So now my cousin who's never been to an indie show is holding this guy and Drew McIntyre is slapping the shit out of him, like in his chest. And it was all on video. And it was just such an incredible experience that I just loved independent wrestling. And when I was there, I had networked with a guy, Brian Excel, who owns House of Glory Wrestling. And he told me, he gave me a flyer, told me to come to his show. There was a boxing gym with maybe like 30 people in it now. Uh, and I developed a very good friendship with Brian Excel. I credit him to a lot of our success because he had, I told him my idea and he gave me access to Ricochet, who's now signed to WWE. His business partner was the amazing Red, who's an absolute legend in the industry. And I did cards for two of his up and coming uh, students, Ken Broadway and Smiley. Both were doing very well in the indie scene right now. So he made them where Red was a big deal. Ricochet was this up and comer. People didn't really know about him. He's a huge star now. Um, and those were the guys that were first in our game, just based on this relationship with House of Glory. Now, Red gave us some credibility. And Colt Cabana, a guy you mentioned, is one of my idols in the wrestling world because he has become so successful as a merchandiser, not only of what he does in the ring, he makes a ton of money. And he, he was always so savvy when I would see him at shows. The guy would put his merchandise table in the walkway by the door where every person who walked in the room would see him first, you know? So he had this show called the art of wrestling, which I used to listen to. Now I don't have time for it, unfortunately. Um, and we had reached out to him because he was this famous merchandiser about putting him in the game. And we gave him, and again, this is where people might advise me that I'm stupid and I don't care if I'm stupid. I said, Colt, I'll give you a hundred sets or whatever it was. And you keep a hundred percent of the proceeds. That's it. I just want you in the game and you to sell it. And people would know it. So he was like, this is a good idea. Absolutely. Right. Free to him. Um, That's genius. Yeah. He was waiting to be it sold. And I'll never forget. I was telling everybody who wanted one to tweet him. Right. And I don't even know if it's true, but I think if you just put like at Colt Cabana without anything before it, it sends it as a private message, not a public one. Oh, really? So like, all my players that lauded the game were tweeting him. And I'll never forget Cole Cabana like sent me a message. He's like, can you please tell your people to stop asking for the cards? I'll list them. And he did really well with it. And then he was like, you know who would really be into this? The Young Bucks. And the Young Bucks are like, they went on to be the co-founders of AEW, which is one of the, like the second biggest wrestling company in the world next to WWE possibly. So I'm sitting there like, it was actually, I'm sorry, it was Kenny Omega first. He said, Kenny Omega would love this. Do you, can I show this to him? And we were, we were like, absolutely. Like, Kenny Omega's <laughs> a rock star. And then, like, Kenny was like, the Young Bucks would be into it. So, like, three of the first ten people we signed were Coco Cabana, and then he put us into the Young Bucks collectively as a tag team, Kenny Omega. So those were actually, like, some of the earliest people we worked with. 
and still to this day some of the biggest names we've ever worked with once we had them it was a little bit more easy because like other up-and-coming indie guys were like oh the bucks and kenny are doing this like now you have my nice. attention to as well so like gradually it came on um and it it really changed because in the beginning it was like guys i know work out a loose agreement to now like contracts and working with different companies and merchandising and it, it being like a revenue stream for independent wrestlers as well. The same way them selling t-shirts, you know, helps them out. Yeah, now they harsh, can sell yeah. super show cards. So it, it really just, it started off with a high, high bar, you know, and I'm proud to have worked with companies like new Japan and hall of famers like Rob Van Dam uh, and develop, you know, good relationship with a lot of these guys, but just, going to see Drew McIntyre because he did the right thing in the autograph signing linked up with Brian Excel. Brian Excel now is killing it. When I tell you they, they run out of the New York city arena, they get 500 to a thousand people at the show. And I can, I'll never forget walking into a boxing gym and ricochet strolling through a, a curtain from the back with his little title to go up against smiley. I just, it's incredible how it just snowballs into now. I have independent wrestlers on wait list. You know, people like, hey, can I get in the game and sign oh, up? Man. It's like it's like we have, you know, 30 people ready to come out over the next year. We're working with companies. So to think of that is an absolute dream come true where, you know, wrestlers are sending me resume and criteria. How can I get signed up for this? And now, you know, at some point I would have worked with everyone. Now it's like you might not even be big enough to work with. And I don't mean that offensively. Like if I'm backlisted with 15 indie guys coming out, the next couple of releases, I might have to charge you to put you in the game as opposed to doing it as a service. So yeah. it's, it's well, you awesome from a business. Sense. Yeah. It's awesome from my standpoint, but it's almost surreal to me that, you know, How we far were begging, you come here? we were begging to get people to sign up like, Hey, this is legit. It's cool. And now people actually recognize us and, and want to work with us. That's so it's, cool that you, you got such big names at the beginning that you're still feeling like that ripple effect from it, you know? Oh, absolutely. And again, I, I will always give Brian the credit. Um, I am not a totally religious person. I do believe that, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm atheist, but Brian is very Christian. And sometimes what I see what he's accomplished and what he's done for me, I definitely makes me believe in a higher power of, you know, him just doing the right thing. And he says, this is all in the name of Christ and what he built. And it came over to me and whether you want to talk about karma or just doing nice things and things grow over and over, however you want to interpret it, it's, it's really put me in an incredible situation just for my life in general. And I think being successful from business is like secondary, but still incredible too. That's what I love, man. Everything about you and every, this conversation is just such a positive vibe, so much positivity. And I think even the story you were just telling where that, that wrestler left such an impact on you because he stuck around and he did the right thing, that positive thing to spread positivity by staying, signing autographs, you know? I love he it. actually came to a show and I spoke to him and I told him the story that I just told him. I said, listen, I'm trying to make a wrestling game. I want to let you know you're the reason I love independent wrestling. Here's the story. And he took out his iPhone and he went live on his page and he said, I want you to tell that story again. And I, I you know what? Oh, I can't believe ass. that I actually got to sit there and do it. You know, a couple of years later, I had asked my fan base. And what I love about what I've learned from the community is there's so many people. And when you outsource things or just make it open source, you can get so much done. And I had put out like, you know, it would mean the world to me if somebody could find this video 
And in 15 minutes, they pulled it up and like had it on my Facebook page. Fuck yeah. And and it was like from years ago. It was just awesome to experience that. Now he's the uh, he's a mega star in WWE. And I was supposed to get approval to work with him, and I did it. And he then signed to WWE because I guess I didn't act quick enough, which is crazy because he's like my favorite. Um, and I feel like that's the one that got away. But there's still hope that if we keep growing, maybe we'll have a deal with WWE licensing. One that would be day, amazing, right? man. And That'd then we get it like the, the big one. Well, so yeah, this actually, this leads into a question I really wanted to ask you, which is uh, who would be your dream person to sign to the LFF, which we should say is the Legendary Fighting Federation, which is the in-game universe you've created. Um, who would be your choice, living or dead, from every famous wrestler you've ever seen? Hmm. It's such a... It's a really, I don't want to cop out and say it's super loaded because it probably depends on like what day of the week you ask me on. Or um, even top three or something, you know, like who are the ones like that kind if of I could around? throw random names out there, I would say that Drew Galloway, Drew McIntyre would be one. Um, but then, like, if you have the opportunity to rock, like, The Rock has to probably, oh, yeah, man. One. He might be a president one day. So, like, even I know him. I, like, <laughs> yeah, like I say, like, The Rock, CM Punk uh, would be very cool because when I spoke to him, um, at a meet and greet as well. He was great because I asked him some questions about what it takes for like the little guy to get ahead in life, you know? And he basically said he, he had a, a very long winded answer. One of the things that I'll never forget was he said, um, hard work and talent will always pay off. If you work hard and you're not talented, it won't go anywhere. If you're talented, you don't work hard. It won't go anywhere. And he also said, it's not as much money you make. It's how much money you save. And those are two things that I'll never forget. So to have him in the game after I was successful and be able to just tell him, like, you you definitely don't remember this, but I asked you a Q&A at some place. You said this maybe seven years ago, and I never, ever forgot it. So that'd be really cool. So wow, my man. top three would probably be Drew McIntyre, The Rock, and uh, CM Punk. Right I got on. into wrestling later, so I'm not really, like, into the old school legends. Like I obviously I know. know who Andre the Giant. I was going to say Andre the Giant seems like the one. But like I it. probably never saw an Andre the Giant match start to finish in my life just because it was before my time. Yeah. I remember a lot of the 90s guys just from what I did watch, like uh, Yokozuna. And I remember um, those crazy like clown guys that or they had like makeup and spikes all over their jackets and shit. You know yeah, what I'm talking the about? Le- They're like twins. There were two of them. There's the Legion of Doom and the Road Warriors. Okay. Where they had the spike, yeah, gear yeah, that's the and one. The, Road the face paint, yeah, those were really cool. And I remember Deke and those are the gimmicks I love. Deke and Doink was too. Yeah, that was like clowns or something, right? Yeah, yeah. There okay. was Doink was the main Doink, clown, there. and then there was Dink, who was like <laughs> the smaller version of him. I don't know what the uh, like the politically correct term. He was a little is. person. I, I think that's still yeah. a, yeah. is that the way to go? Yeah, because I don't ever want to be offensive. Like I grew up in Queens, New York, and like it was a different time, and I'm well aware of that. Like things that were said and done when I grow up are totally not appropriate, you know, but like, I, that's the way it was. I mean, I'm the same way. I obviously don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and I'll, I'll more than more than have to oblige and call someone what they want to be identified yeah, as. Absolutely. But yeah. uh, I have sort of pondered about this before because they'll say, you know, the term midget is offensive and yet you still have like midget sports, like a midget hockey. That's like a classification. Yeah. And that was the exact term that I had used one time, like in comic book writing and like in the writing, meeting, people were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I was like, listen, I am not that type of person, you know, like, well, I again, never this- try to hurt somebody's feelings on an insult or something like that. I respect everybody's values, wherever they want, but like, that's what 
I grew up with, you know, and I feel like the generation of people I grew around before, I'm like, I don't even want you talking to my kids because you don't even realize like how damaging people are, you know? Well, well, you know, being not part of that community, I have always wondered like, cause little person to me sounds almost like more offensive. It sounds diminishing to be like, Oh, you're just a little person. You're not a full person. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. midget's just a random ass word that I don't even know the meaning of. Maybe if I looked into yeah, that, it, I would... it could be like derogatory. And again, like that's not something that I would, I'm not using it as derogatory. Term, no, of course, know, of course. No. So, and I think that's right. it. Yeah. That's intense, podcasting man. does go in any direction. Yeah. It, uh, again, you know, it's funny. I'll go back to that CM Punk thing. He said something again that I'll never forget. Uh, somebody brought up cursing and he said, and I say this to my children to this day, there are no bad words. There are only bad intentions. And I do not have Fuck bad intentions. Yes, man. I echo yeah. that so, so much. I, you know, I say my, the same to my children. I mean, I don't encourage my children to drop F-bombs or anything, but I certainly don't censor myself around them because I, I try to tell them you can hurt someone's feelings way more by calling them dumb with the right intensity in your yeah. spirit and your whatever you want to call it. You know, like it doesn't have to be the, the most vulgar words that are the most hurtful. I try to teach my oldest one that when you curse, you sound either angry or ignorant to people that are listening. You know, sometimes and like if you, you're not either of those things, try to cut back. So obviously, I curse. I listen to a lot of music um, that has curse words in it. I try to keep it censored, but some things, you know, they just don't come up censored. And my kids are getting old enough. Well, I shouldn't even say old enough. My two year old, uh, I love music. I'm actually a big Machine Gun Kelly fan. A lot of people hate him. I don't care. I think he's awesome. But my two-year-old will actually sing along to the songs. And one of the funniest things she'll do is she'll go, I'm tatted up. And she'll lift up her shirt. And she goes, I don't give a fuck. And like, it is the funniest thing ever from a two-year-old girl. And how are you not going to share that video with people? And I put exactly that. Like, sorry for the foul language. People get all like, judgy, though, and shit. Yeah, my two-year-old is rapping to Machine Gun Kelly and Little Wayne. You know, and sometimes she's on beat, which is amazing. And she <laughs> says curse words and you know, at least she used it properly. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think then when, honestly, like, my older I enjoy swearing. Person. Sorry, sorry yeah, to cut you up. I was going to say, no, I enjoy well, swearing. If you're with the right group of people, I think you need to know your audience, you know? In, and I tell my daughter, cause I try to treat my daughter like an adult. Sometimes people get mad at that. Like she's coming with me to the machine gun Kelly concert. I'm like, you're going to hear a lot of bad words. You know, the versions you hear on the radio is not what this guy's going to be saying in person. Don't repeat it at school. But sometimes she does get frustrated. She curses and it puts me in a bad spot because as a parent, you still got to tell her not to do it. Right. Yeah. But like until you're a little older. Yeah, <laughs> you used that correctly, girl. So I'm proud of you on that. Like <laughs> that's when you do that. But, you know, try not to do that. Oh, man. Um, you're right. Podcasting goes in, in any direction. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to know. Um, when you were developing the game, what was or was there a moment at any point during where you hit such a hurdle that you actually considered like maybe this isn't going to work out or, or almost gave up on the whole thing? Ooh, um, no, um, I don't think I don't think I've hit that point yet. And I've had some rough days with like the Internet trying to eat people alive. Sometimes it's not even you. It's sometimes it's people you care about. Um, I haven't got to the point ever where I felt like this is not worth it because I didn't have a, a, a horribly impoverished upbringing. I, I, I probably had a little below average, average, depending on what time in my life. And I'm truly grateful for everything I have. And a lot of stuff for me is a dream come true. So I don't, I haven't gotten to the jade point where I said, this is not worth it because I'm very, um, 
minimalistic with my spending. I don't believe in hoarding my money. I, I try to do as much for other people and around me as long as I have enough to be comfortable. You know, um, a couple of years ago, my wife and I, and my oldest daughter and my brand new daughter, we spent four years in a studio apartment. And now to have, you know, a down payment on my own house, I have to, obviously I have a mortgage and stuff, but to go from still that's fantastic four people in one room to you know for the most part we all have a bedroom we share but still i'm very very grateful for what i have um and i and i always tell myself if i went broke tomorrow and had a get a, a different job you know which is respectable no matter what it is i had one hell of a decade you know probably better than a lot of other people and I got to spend time with my kids and I got to show them, you know, anything is possible. Everybody told me I was wasting my time. I was stupid, you know, and I, I published a book off it. I published more versions of the game that I and can And how count. many successful Kickstarters have you guys had? Like seven or something? Or Yeah. Se- and, and like this crazy. last Kickstarter. And these aren't like small 42. Kickstarters, I should say, because sometimes people will be like funded in one hour, but then their goal is only like 500 Yeah, like we funded whatever, you know? a couple times in two minutes. I was a little sad because it was a Twitch apparently it was a Kickstarter glitch. It was 15 minutes this time. Uh, so for the past three years, I've been calling myself the two minute man, which I think is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and I couldn't do it this year. Uh, and like some people would be like, how do you feel your Kickstarter is underperforming? And it'd be like underperforming. It raised over 40,000 fucking dollars. Like yeah. I remember having $500 to my name and spending every last penny on it to make artwork for this game. So like, maybe you think that shit is underperforming, but like my company lives to fight uh, at least a year off that, you know? So like this idea where people are looking at other people's success and stuff, you know, like I I don't, I don't do that because my Kickstarter, you know, some people do a hundred million, a hundred thousand dollars on Kickstarter, but then their game is gone in six months, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, that's great. Money is wonderful. You need money to do things. You know, having money lets you take care of people and do surprise people and do stuff. But I'd rather have a little bit of money and, and the longevity of what we have and have people going to conventions to play Super Show for a weekend. A lot of these other games don't have that, where they have competitions and, and all these things going on. Oh, no, you guys involve the community in such a big way. And how cool is it to think that, like, one day when you're passed away, people are still going to be playing a game you created. You know, you're going to still have that community being passed on down to their kids or whatever, because these people are clearly passionate about this game. I don't see them not teaching it to their kids. And it's designed. And again, this was one of the things that I, I always survey the top players and I tell them straight up, like you're not the fan base I'm catering towards. And I don't mean that offensively. You're so much smarter in the strategy of this game than like, Everyone else. I said, I want you to think in your head. I'll give this an example. Who do you think is an average player in this game? And they'll rattle off a name. They'll say, I think so-and-so is an average player. I said, okay, now know that half the people in the game are worse than them at this game. You know, like that's your measuring point. You think this guy is average. He's not great. Now half the players in this game are worse than that or have less of an understanding of the strategy. So like you're the, the super top players are not my main target or audience like we always do things that they can pick up on that's good but by not catering to them i'm protecting the longevity of the game yes because it's not super complicated for a new player to come in and that's what keeps the game alive so i think that the game will last a very very long time 
I see it having the longevity of Pokemon and Magic. Um, Magic was the first one, so it probably has a stronghold. Pokemon global global phenomenon, but you're a different format too. I mean, you're not doing blind booster packs and shit like that, you know. No, I mean we have random products, but for the most part, we try to make anything that's accessible randomly. You could buy at what I would call a premium if we're calling it, you know, what it is. If you could buy a card for ten bucks, people be like, "It's very expensive that you could buy a card for ten dollars." I'm like, "Not really," because you play a trading card game, you could spend hundred and fifty dollars on a booster pack where you need four of them to compete, and you yeah. don't get any. You know, yeah. so like I would much rather be like, "Here's your ten bucks. Here's the one card you I know need. what you're getting. Put it for a lace, and that's it." And again, like it is a business, we need to keep the lights on and we support artists and we support people who stream and, you know, a a plethora of other things. And, you know, the prices are what it is. I don't live lavishly. You know, people know me on a personal level. I'm not sitting on a pile of gold like an evil dragon. You seem very down to earth, you know. I I try to be. uh, That's how I felt when I first met you as well. You have a very, you know, friendly nature about you. I've seen, I've dealt with super rich folks i've dealt with super poor folks and at the end of the day i i really believe you can't take money with you so might as well enjoy it while you can and again i don't want to sound like ignorant to business i'll tell people straight up money makes the world go around money makes this game possible you absolutely need money what you do with the money is is really the most important thing and fortunately we do very well with sales and where I constantly invested into other things like the comic books, you know, a lot of people be like, we're a trading card game company. Why are you doing comic books? And I'm like, big picture here. We're writing comic books. They're awesome storylines. People love them. This could one day, somebody could approach us and say, I want to animate this and make it into a cartoon or a movie, or we could find our own team and do that. That's what we're doing little by little. So for me, every time we do something successful, I want to do more stuff. I want to put it into comic books. I want to put it into animation. I want to put it into music. And I kind of want to explore all these different things. And to me, I think that that's, you know, the coolest aspect of it. Well, that's sort of uh, where I was going to go with this next was sort of what's next for the SRG universe. And uh, it's cool to hear that. I was wondering if you guys are ever maybe going to branch out with the same franchise, but do like, you know, a miniatures game or something like it sounds like you started out thinking this was going to be a board game, as you had said. So do you ever have plans to maybe go down that avenue in the future? There are so many plates in the air that which ones will pan out is tough. So I'm going to just rattle off some of the things that we've worked on and please we'll yeah. to work on. Um, we did Super Show Comics. We published issues number one and number two called the lead and the follow up. We're now finishing up a whole series Part two is in three books, books three, four, and five. Those are done being illustrated. And then we're already working on six, seven, and eight and wrapping up, which will be season one, about 12 issues, hopefully. But the more we write it, the more we're like, shit, you can't fit this into season one. Yeah, this is two seasons worth of stuff. So there are comic books coming along. With that, my vision, and I have no timeline on these things, is to bring back a concept that we showed off a few years ago pre-COVID, which was called the voiceover. And now... Basically, I wanted to get voiceover actors on board. Some people guessed, some people officially signed uh, and go through the comic book read through. But we've added an animation element where they're they call them like chibis. Those like big head figures. Yeah, yeah. So they're characters that like respond to your mannerism and they'll be on the corners of the show and the comic book panels will be on screen and voiceover actors will actually read through the storyline on the script. But instead of seeing the person, it seems like a really cool concept. And I want all my own music and sound effects in the background. So it's like mock animation. So I would love to push more into the storyline of that. 
we also have partnered up with a company that put out a fantastic game called Sprites. It's an arena battle where you basically have wizards dueling with sprites that are Ooh. characters that come out of wands and they each have their own look and names. And it's a, a deck building game where mm. all the components are right in the box. Um, as a game I tried a few years ago, I absolutely loved it. It did not fund on Kickstarter, which to me was a travesty because this is just such an awesome out-of-the-box game. Uh, that's something that we've you know put under our umbrella. I also had fully developed other games that people love, but I just, it sounds bad, but Super Show is so successful. I can't give those games the time and energy that they, uh, we did they a deserve. game called. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So one of the games that I'm very proud of is called Scally Wager. I love Pirates of the Caribbean. It was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Read all the books for the ones for kids, for teenagers, for adults. Um, it's based off Liar's Dice, the game they play in that movie, which is an old school game but it has card elements to it, adventures and treasure cards. All the artwork is done. It's been play tested for years. We've played it in our circle. Just I, I haven't been able to get around to getting all the components needed in the box. We play with red Dixie cups and regular D6, which I would do any day. But if you're buying in the store, that probably won't fly. Yeah. Still, man, that's also, super inspiring because I've got like a few game ideas that have been floating around in my head for years, but I feel like it must you must really need that team aspect to work off of each other's ideas and keep it going because i feel like i never know how to get the ball rolling but i've got so many you gotta ideas. just keep do something pen and paper as simple yeah. as it sounds get out a pen and piece of paper put it down cut some stuff out and go for it and the most important thing and i tell all my players super show is so successful because it is super simple and it was more complex when i started it and i just kept chopping shit off hmm. no don't need this don't need this let's get it as simple as possible because People are only going to give you so much time. It's like, I can't understand what the point of the game is or how you win in a couple of minutes. It's very hard for me to, yeah. you know, get involved in it. And you can um, always add those layers of complexity back in later if you deem it appropriate, you know, but yeah, get you what you're just saying, it out. scale it down. Like, yeah. Because like you, nobody's going to appreciate your own intelligence as much as you are. And if you understand something fully and you try to pass it to somebody else, you probably can only give them like a percentage of that, you know, no yeah. matter how hard you try, they're not going to envision it the same way you are. And the more stuff you have to give them, the harder it is for you to like, keep your vision for them to get that. Yeah. Concept for sure. Simplicity is key. Um, we worked on a, um, a game called Southside. If you want to talk about early things that have really shaped who I am today. There was a gentleman by the name of Tahim Bryant, who I met in a bar I met a friend of his in a bar on a random thing. I'm not a bar goer. And he was selling like leather coats or belts or something. And I just started talking about how like I wanted to make a game. And this is where I was starting off. So he introduced me to this guy, Tahim, who was producing a TV show. He was trying to produce called uh, Southside, which is based on 1988 crack epidemics in Southside, Jamaica, Queens, which is right where I grew up. I met him. I interviewed him. He told me all about his vision and he, we developed a board game on it. It was similar to like a Settlers of Catan style um, where you can rent crack houses, stash houses, barber shops, and you get property and you move around the board and you trade literally guns, drugs, money, and jewels to become the king of Southside. But there were rules based on the reality of the situation, which was trying what, what his goal was to do something that was historically accurate to show you that people in that time were doing illegal things because that was out of necessity, but they still had rules and guidelines that they followed, mm. you know, 
like no violence in the, in the school areas. And yeah, yeah. Do things like that in the game. And it was based on all the characters he created. Now, he actually produced a movie called Equal Standard, which is did very well, uh, was very acclaimed, um, was in Walmart that you could go and buy. Um, it was produced with like iced tea. So oh, he sure. had done, he had always thought Southside would make Equal Standards popular, but Equal Standard was a finished movie that he did with Ice T and Naughty by Nature and a lot of big names in hip hop. Um, and the movie was very good. It was uh, it was very appropriate for the times of what was going on in the U.S. And he started getting pretty popular. And he actually he passed away very recently. There was somebody had the details are unclear, but somebody came and shot him in his car. Oh, uh, he was a very peaceful guy, very loving guy. Um, and he was the, the whole point of this story was Tahim was such an amazing person to work with because he had that energy and that vision. And he was always preaching, you know, love and unity. And he was the first person to say, you want to be a game designer? Wrote me a check. Here's a check. This is how much you need to produce it. And I got all the art together, showed him a game, went to the diner with him, showed him how to play. When he filmed for Southside, he brought me and my wife into it. He put Southside, the game, on the table for his filming. That in the scene, while guys from Naughty by Nature, you know, which were huge stars for me, um, Crazy. were arguing and fighting. And my board game is right in the middle no way, on that man. table in the scene. Yeah, you can see it in the movies. Uh, but you can't get this game anywhere, though. You could order it probably off Game Crafter, which is oh, yeah? that's where it's at. Yeah, you could. Oh, cool. Uh, and people who have played it have loved it. And we were worried that it would not be received well because, like, the content, you know, you, the content is yeah. rough. Right. And I'm like, but, like, that's what it was. You know, you play a war game and you're killing yeah, the people. Yeah, I was just going right? like, <laughs> to Like, it's not, you know, that's the way shit was in Queens in 1988. That's yeah. the point of the game and the message. And, Honestly, it's fun as hell to pretend that you're a drug dealer and a boss and stuff. And you have the boss in the game you have to kick up to if, if things go wrong and the hitman come after you and stuff. Um, well, it's so just I like a war game. It's all the excitement of the, those thrilling circumstances without and any some of people the might not. And like, I'm OK playing it with my close friends. You know, if it's not a huge international hit, like at the end of the day, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. But yeah. what's complicated is it is death. Now we have to go through um, his family which we're more than okay to do, but it's a little bit harder of a process because middle man, I can't yeah. imagine what's going on, you know, in their head and who's trying to take advantage of his untimely debt, the fame he got from the movie and who was actually somebody who was authentic to him, you know? So mm. I had a couple of very nice conversations that like, yeah, you know, I actually met you. If you recall, we, we met up at, uh, you know, by this waterfront, over here, this is where we met. We met at this diner. This is where I used to eat. Kind of try to reestablish that you know it was actually a close personal friend, and we're not just some company not like trying a vulture to use, like, just coming in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know some of it was like you know show us some documentation, and that it's like if you knew Tahim, he wasn't like that. You know, we just he gave you his word. He said he'd give you a check. He give you a check, and vice versa. You know, everything we basically talked about was very straight up and upfront, but. Getting off the subject, that's something that was worked on. Uh, but things that you might see in the reality uh, more recently, you see more comic books at a super show. I've been working with teams. I love doing custom music. Um, cool. I'm not very musical. I don't care. I try. And I feel that like I've seen enough in my day of working of that, like 
me sucking at something inspires other people to give it the best effort. And I know some really talented musicians and, and singers and writers and stuff. And I'm like, listen, if I could get up there and do my best, then you're way better than me. And I hope to be able to put out more music based on like theme music and actual music. Uh, so what, so this would be music to play like while you're playing Super Show? Like, so it originally started off only as entrance music. Like that was oh, okay. the original vision where like, here's a character. It's Gropar the Great and Powerful. Give me something mystical. And like people were killing it. You know, like this, you know, we have Mark the Shark. Give me one. And it sounds like a Jaws theme, but it's like a yeah, yeah. design. And we did like a whole bunch of them. And then I started actually like working with musicians. It was like, oh, I have these beats that I created. And I'm like, wow, these are actually really good. Like, this would be a great rock song. This would be a great, you know, theme music for our Twitch show. This would be a great rap song. And I just started, hey, how much would you charge to do some custom stuff? Now we have a huge folder of all this music. We use it for a ton of different things. And it's like, if we do a video or commercial or a stream, why not play our own music? Why not promote our own friends and stuff? Hell yeah. uh, and again, maybe it'll never come out to anything but when i met my wife she was a street teamer for fearless records uh and i said who knows maybe one day we'll have a record label you, you don't know that right you don't know unless you get a body of music and keep pumping it out but i've met so many people that are incredible and for example we i got a couple guys together um and we did custom music that was used for ken broadway who's one of the first competitors and now this guy is an incredible independent wrestler his music hits the whole crowd sings along with it. Oh, People wow. say it's one of the best musics in the Indies. And it's like that shit happened because I called three people and we just hung out one night and were like, this would be cool to put this line in there. This would be cool to put, you know, so me being in an arena with a thousand people singing along to something that we helped create kind of gives me the, the vision that like, I don't care if people say it's not possible. Like I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah. And you've overcome a lot of, uh, you know, people trying to say you can't do this. You can't do that. I don't blame you, man. Like you've got proof. You've got evidence, like keep. Yeah, and I fail at a ton of shit. I tell people all the time, like it's not, not everything's rainbow and butterflies. You know, not everything we've done has been super successful, but yeah. you just, you don't know unless you try. And sometimes yeah. you find people that are just as passionate as you and way more talented and, Sometimes it's your responsibility to show off what they can do. You know, me, I found cool artists and I showed everybody. I can't draw for shit, but I love art. And being able to show other people's talents off has built me a company. I love you that, know? man. It's the same thing with uh, doing my show. I, I hope that some people that maybe regularly listen to my program will hear this. Maybe they're into wrestling. Maybe they go then to your website and I helped make that connection. You know what I mean? Like, I love just uh, mingling with people. and, and Yeah, and, and I, this... To me, I don't even, if somebody says they want to podcast and hang out, to me, I really don't care if you have 100 subscribers, one subscriber or none. I like to talk to people from other countries, yeah, from other man. places, other hobbies. And that's really what it's all about is making connections with people. And I think that people see that with our company. We're very hands-on. We, we try to know people a little bit more personally than if I say, hey, how you doing, Oliver? You know, we hung out and spoke and I'm sure that nothing negative can come from this unless it's a dirt sheet. We try to make me look like an asshole, which is no, probably no, easy to do, <laughs> but you know, it's probably easy to do, but at worst, one person might hear this and walk into a convention one day and be like, I know that. So, you know, like yeah. it's better than nothing. Like what or else the other way around too. somebody, uh, you know, if you share this afterwards, somebody who loves your game 
might check it out and say, hey, I dug that guy's interview style and I like some of his other guests. And then I gain a new fan, maybe, you know, Well, I do the same thing. Like, I would love to. If you need guests, I deal with people, sometimes a wrestler, sometimes they're artists. Hey, Oliver George, this is the Just Chill podcast. Do you want to do a podcast? Yeah, man. Information? Definitely. If you got you some know, interesting people you want to throw my way, I'm always down. Yeah, I, I just always I share. I'll put it up too when I put up the interview. If you're interested in chatting with Oliver, here you can do. Awesome, man. I, I wanted to actually ask you because I am in Canada. I'm up in Ottawa. Do you guys have a presence up here with this game or is it uh, still making its way? Canada has been a tough nut to crack. We do have players. We do ship to Canada. Uh, we've had some stores pick us up. But as a Queens, New Yorker, for me, it's like it's New York and then like everything else. So I don't want to sound ignorant and talk about like places in Canada when it's like, for me, it's Canada. I don't know what's close to it. I don't want to oh, recommend shit. the store and it's not like the other side of the country for you. Uh, yeah. But it's very sparse. It is there, but it is it is light uh, compared to what's in the U.S., for sure, yeah, man. I mean, if you need an ambassador, I'll, I'd love to help, uh, you know. Yeah. And anything, anything we can do thing. is great. I know some people have have, you know, taken us overseas to the UK. We've had some people in New Zealand and stuff. And well, because wrestling are... is, is global, right? Like everybody loves wrestling around the world. Not everyone. But I mean, there are fans. Like Canada is a big wrestling country. Like some of the biggest stars in, in history come from Canada. Bret Hart. Uh, yeah. Chris Jericho. Kevin Owens right now. Huge star right now. Uh, so Canada definitely known for wrestling, but if there's anything we could always do, I'm always open to you know, anything, you know, Yeah, man. if it's beneficial to both of us in any way, it's just, I feel like, what do you have to lose? At the end of well, the I day, already thought know? this game was cool and I already thought you seemed like a nice dude, but like having this chat with you and learning about just your, your ethos of the, of your company and everything you try to represent and everything that you do and spreading positivity and community spirit and all that really, uh, you know, it's taking it to the next level. I just have even more respect for what you're doing here, man. I appreciate it. And the community, I tell them all the time, it helps me in ways that I could never imagine. I mean, we have mental health groups, we have weight loss groups, we have so many different things. And um, my life is infinitely better than it was before this community was around. I have horrible days. I have bad days. I'm sure I could be grouchy. I could have some days. I could say on more so, much more on the majority. Motivation is usually always there, but I could have some grumpy days. But this community is really what keeps me up and running. And I always tell the fans and the customers and people who support us to be like, I'm sorry to bother you. It's like, it is never a bother if it is related to my job. You know, it is a privilege that some days I have 70 messages that have to do with the game and the community, you know, and I appreciate everyone who has courtesy and says, I don't want to bother you if you're your family or things like that. But it is literally my job to be a public servant to the community. Like I have my vision, but most of the stuff I do all day is just helping people with things that they need figured out. Even if it's something as small as a resolution with their order or a question about a card or a rules question or idea they have. I just, I know that I'm privileged to have people who want to talk to me and want my attention. So I just, I try to keep that motivation going. It's because yeah, man, of I, what they I, bring to the table. Your, uh, your gratitude is palpable. You know what I mean? I can feel it. And I think that's so key. They always say being grateful for, for the things that are really special to you in your life will really help you learn to live a fuller life, you know? Yeah. Be um, happy with what you got. It's pretty simple, right? I want to ask you because I tried to find this online and maybe I imagined it, but I could have sworn on Facebook a couple of years back before COVID. Did you guys do like a cruise? We were on the, the cruise of Jericho, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm not crazy. And it, okay. We sponsored the Jericho cruise. It was the first of its kind. 
Uh, Jericho then went on to partner up with AEW in some capacity. So now it's a much bigger deal than it was, but we were the first one. We did the sponsorship um, again, where people would be like, this is a stupid investment for you. And like lost a ton of money on the cruise investment. But like we went on a cruise, we met wrestlers, we were backstage. And for all, you know, it probably panned out. There were so many people who were like, Oh, I remember I saw this on the cruise. Um, it was incredible experience. There was a lot of, great stories that came from it. There were a lot of great deals. There were a lot of horrible deals. Some people had bad taste in it. Some people hated us after the cruise. Some people loved us after the cruise. It was so polarizing. Um, wow. <laughs> I don't think anybody I really, it, it, it was such an incredible experience, you know, like to talk to Chris Jericho, who was a mega star, Chris Jericho on the cruise. I'll give you a good, a very positive from the cruise. Um, Chris Jericho, is one of the nicest, most down-to-earth people I met. Maybe it's fake. My experience, he's been incredible. Uh, at meet and greets when I was younger, it was at a Barnes & Noble. He was another wrestler who gave every single person some sort of time and attention. Mm. Didn't matter how long the line was, you watched this guy, he commented on somebody's shirt, asked them what their favorite band is. He gave everybody a little bit of attention. So from that moment, I was always a Chris Jericho fan. Um, he signed some stuff for me. Anyway, we now sponsor this cruise. He did a Q&A and somebody brought up gaming to him. And he talked about his love for Dungeons and Dragons, that he got into Dungeons and Dragons as a kid. Um, and he created this character called Haltain the Paladin. And he worked on it for so many months. And they did this huge campaign. And in the campaign, he went up against a chromatic dragon. And like he rolled a one or something. And then... The, the dragon killed him and Haltane was dead. His character that he worked on for so long got killed by a dragon. All he wanted to do was re-roll and he was so crushed at the death of Haltane, he never played D&D again, right? So we met him on the cruise as sponsors. He loved my shirt. We made shirts that said the goat that runs the boat uh, with Chris Jericho on it for the <laughs> cruise. So he complimented yes. us on that. So we had a little bit of a rapport from that. I had messaged him on Instagram later hey we were on the cruise i don't know if you remember me whatever i have this idea to bring haltane back to life and i sent him a sample and it was a paladin character that looked like chris jericho when he was younger and in the game we created haltane the paladin whose effect was if he would lose he gets to re-roll once a match oh, you know no capturing way. what it was <laughs> and we like what we're projecting is we're going to name all his finishing moves off fozzy lyrics because that's his bad and he was all on board for it. He loved it. He gave us his blessing to do it. So to be able to do like a Chris Jericho, and he was so enthusiastic about it. He ended up connecting us to his agents to try to sign it to the game. Like that ended up not working out when he signed the AW. But just being able to like know that I've had exchanges on a personal level with Chris Jericho and stuff oh, yeah. that he appreciated. And like, again, to, that's a name I know even, and I'm not a wrestler. Yeah. And, and yeah. for like, for me, Haltane is almost a bigger win than actually having Chris Jericho. And I know obviously like Chris Jericho would be mind blowing to have in the game. Right. But knowing that like we popped Chris Jericho, meaning we got him excited for something that he created that never saw the light of day. And now in our gaming community, like Haltane is a thing and everybody kind of knows it's Chris Jericho's inspired D and D character is such a win so cool. on a different level. Uh, yeah. And, and well, it's such like a, a personal takeaway. touch, which seems to be what you're all about is that personal touch, you know? 
And it again ties into what you talked about earlier about how a lot of these wrestlers are into the fantasy stuff. And again, growing up, I wouldn't have expected that. I would have thought, oh, they're all jocks. They're all, you know, going to be douchebags or something. And then I'm realizing they're probably a lot like me. I should have got into wrestling when I was younger. Yeah, that was one of my other favorite stories from the cruise. I got to just shout out Sammy Callahan, former Impact World Champion, who I met uh, on the cruise at Jericho. Super smart. He played on the cruise won the world championship for my game. It was the cruise of Jericho. We were crowning the first world champion, Sammy Callahan, a wrestler participate wins, becomes the first LFF world champion. It was incredible having a big name guy developed a great relationship with him, but a funny story, Johnny uh, Morrison, who was in WWE and out, he he went back and forth. Um, I met him on the cruise as well. And this guy is a stud. Gorgeous man, I'll just say it. Does parkour, <laughs> wrestler, reality TV show, super nice. Um, I was just next to him at the bar on the cruise, and, talk, and I don't know how it came up, but I said, like, oh, I love musicals. You know, I'm from New York, we love music. He's like, I love musicals, right? And we were just nerding out on musical. He's like, he watched all the seasons of Glee, which, like, I watched all the seasons of Glee. Um, I don't know if it got wrapped up into it, though. It was fantastic. So it was amazing that I'm, like, talking to Johnny, John Morrison, who calls himself Johnny, whatever promotion he's working for, right? So, like, Johnny Impact, he's there. He agreed to be in the game after this conversation as Johnny Super Show, which was, like, the coolest thing ever. And then they met him on one of the Hawaiian islands, and he pitched them to film a promo video. And the promo video was he was going to come out, you can go watch it. I'm the mayor of Slamtown. I'm coming to the Super Show with 10s in every category. And then my partner, John, who's the GM, comes and shuts him down. I was like, no, you're going to be a regular character like everybody else, right? And it was like so cool that this megastar was excited to work with us, probably because we talked about musicals for an hour, and then filmed a video where he put over my GM as like an authority figure over him. And it was just such a cool, like, 20-second video. Uh, and like trip, that, man. Yeah, and that to me, like, no matter what happened with the Cruise of Jericho, just having that video was a success, right? Just getting the whole thing. And there were, where people would say it wasn't worth the investment to spend that money to go on the cruise. I'm like, it absolutely was. Like, I became friends with Sammy Callahan. I filmed the video with John Morrison. I did a feature character with Chris Jericho. And I went to the Bahamas for a weekend with my Sounds like a two best up, friends man. and my wife, you know, yeah. it was like the best thing ever. Damn. So, Shit. Okay. Well, I know you said you got to drive somewhere tonight. I don't want to keep you forever, but uh, I'll ask you the, the question I've been asking everybody this season, which uh, you, you sort of touched on almost earlier, but if you weren't doing what you do right now, let's say your decade wrapped up and, and this thing just, you know, kind of went kaput what would be sort of your dream occupation? And if you want to tie it into what did you want to be growing up, if they happen to be the same? Oh, this is tough. I want to be everything other than the sun when I was growing up, including an author, a wrestler, a chef. Um, and I think I've accomplished a lot of those. I've published the comic book, which I'm proud of. I cook every day for my family. Um, but I, I don't know. I kind of bounced everywhere, every which way. I'm going to give you a very long-winded answer. And I'm sorry, but maybe no, it's okay, it's- man, please. Fantasy booking, I would love to be a college professor. Uh, my, my dream job is business consulting. I would love to sit and chat with people and help them, you know, jam on ideas, and sign businesses and work with them. That would be my dream job occupation. Right on. I think it is a reality now with what I do. I actually started a consulting firm called Ivy Rest Consulting. 
um, which I started up last year to be able to help other companies in other ways. Um, my, I guess, business phrase would be happiness buys money. That's what I want to put down, which I think cool. is a, a, is a really great mindset to Good have. Motto, yeah. Yeah. And I, that would be my dream, dream job is to be able to work with people and see them start companies and build their own brands and do things and not do it in a way where you're a total shark. Uh, because I, I have dealt with people that are investors and everything is just a math equation. I don't ever want it to feel like that, but you know, there's just been so many different occupations that I wanted and none of these would have probably been feasible. I mean, as a kid, I spent a ton of time working in restaurants when I was in college. Um, after I left the restaurant, when I met my wife, I was fortunate enough to work for her father, who's a very successful man, owns auto part warehouses. I did that for a a long time putting, you know, crazy hours and stuff, but I can't imagine doing something like that now. You know, I just can't, can't, can't imagine not doing something creative that is also financially inclined, if that makes sense. It, yes, definitely. Well, I mean, you've so, built up this awesome empire with this game. I mean, I can't Im imagine why you would think about doing anything else because it seems like such a cool, again, this is like a bucket list thing for me, sort of what you're doing. So I got nothing but respect for, everything you're doing and, and especially the way you went about it, really the journey and everything you've shared with me is very inspiring and, and just fucking rad, man. I appreciate it. And like some things that get glazed over this, this game started off with, and I have it tattooed over here on my arm before I had any boxes. I don't know if you can see it too well. Uh, uh, Chinese it's... food containers. So basically oh, I, remember I had, you had no boxes, at, uh, sort of in, you know, Chinese food containers and dice with stickers on it. And I remember talking to people and, them telling me you're an idiot for putting stickers on dice. Why don't you just pay somebody to make the dice for you? How are you spending all the time doing this? And I'm, like in my head, I'm just like, if I had the money to pay somebody to make dice, like I wouldn't be down here making the dice myself. Isn't yeah. that <laughs> super apparent, you know? Um, but like that sort of journey of just, just do something as much as you can do. Like, don't let anything, you know, you had mentioned has there ever been like a hurdle that you thought you couldn't get past Gen Con one year we sold, hundreds of tickets back to back years. We, we had more tickets sold than I think a, a game that was giving away thousands of dollars. We were like the number one drawing game. And the next year they wanted to downsize us to a 10 by 10 at Gen Con. And that would have probably been the end of the company because like all our momentum could have been cut right from underneath us. And they told us in a meeting, the only way to get a bigger booth is sponsor this show so we'll talk to you next year. That's literally what they said to us. Shit. I told my partners, well, hold the fuck up. You know what? What? How much is it to sponsor it? It was I was high. It was like thirty, thirty five thousand dollars, something like that. So when we hung up the phone, I said, what's the reality of us getting a loan for this? Do you think that we could get a loan and see if we can make our money back over time? And we went and we got a business loan and we called Gen Con back and said, we're going to sponsor Gen Con this year. And wow. you know what? We were able to recoup what we needed to recoup, um, at least a break-even point, which is a super win, you know, yeah, yeah, all definitely. things considered. And next year, Gen Con wanted to downsize us again, which was like the end of our relationship on a full scale, which means like, you don't remember that giant check we wrote for you last year? Like, we don't get any sort of priority. Jesus. But those are like the hurdles where you just, no matter what it is, if you don't have a box, put it in a Chinese food container, you know? If you don't have dice, make it. If, if you... You need money, get a loan. You know, there's there's things that you can do. I mean, obviously within reason, right? Everything has a limitation, but 
you just got to make sure that you push it forward every which way and not make it any sort of excuse. You know, if you, if you want it, you're going to do it one way or another. Tops, people ask how I got a meeting with Tops at So Young. I just kept calling. And I guess eventually somebody picked up the phone. I just kept calling and leaving a voicemail. I couldn't tell you how many I called. It could have been 20 times. It could be 40 times. It could be 10 times. I really don't know. I just know I wanted to have a conversation with Tops. And eventually I got one. Persistence is key, man. Yeah. All right, yo, thank you, man. I won't take any more of your time. I I appreciate you. This was a great conversation. If anybody here is listening and inspired, link up with this man. Just talking to him. If you think that I'm bringing out positivity, it's because this guy had reached out and created an awesome platform to talk about it. Made me super comfortable, made the conversation awesome. So I greatly appreciate it all. I really appreciate those kind words, man. And uh, your energy is is something I'm going to carry with me after this conversation. So I really appreciate the inspiration and just your your company, man. Thank you. I am going to hit the road. My wife yeah. gave me the flag as well. Drive Thank safe, you so dude. much for this. Whenever there's anything to share, please send it over to me and I will share it. Yeah, it should be Monday. So I'll, I'll hit you up. Thanks, dude. Oh, Drive thanks, safe. Thanks, Oliver. Bye. Peace.